This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. We are still here at the Web Summit in Lisbon. And uh, for this episode, I have the pleasure to have here uh, Annie, yes. Annie Akpe. Yes. She is uh, the founder mm-hmm. of uh, the African Women in Tech uh, yes. Association. And it's really a pleasure to have you here, Annie. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's always exciting times at Web, Web Summit, right? Yeah, great. It's actually my first time, so I know it's it's uh, it's not your uh, yeah. it's not your first time, and right. you are quite uh, quite you, you know your way around. Let's yeah, put it like yeah, that. yeah. But I'm still tired. It's a lot. It's a lot of good information, yeah. but you're definitely moving about. Definitely, definitely. So, Annie, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, your background, and I'm very curious, uh, especially about the uh, the women in the African women in tech. Oh, sure. So my background is actually in banking. And um, I started out in banking and working at a company that didn't have all the facilities that I was looking for in order for me to stay competitive. So I said, okay, I'm not staying at this place long. I'll lose my good skills, you know, because it's not worth it. So when I was leaving, um, because I produced such high numbers, the CEO was like, why are you leaving? I, and I gave him, the systems are old, you don't have enough staff and things need to change. So he promoted me and said, hey, I want you to run it. And I told him all the things I needed, which involved technology. So he said, I'll give you technology, but I won't give you a lot of people. So from that, that was over 15 years ago. Um, and the portfolio was only 250 million. Yeah. And I grew it to 1.2 billion with the fact that I could change the technology, increase efficiency. Whoa. So with that being said, I was like, okay, this is great for me. I know it. So it's a little bit easier. What happens to the next women or even women that are um, from Africa that won't have the same opportunity. I was originally from Nigeria, and I know that those opportunities aren't necessarily there for them to get access to information. So I said, you know what, since they can't get it, and I live in the U.S., and the U.S. has enough women's program, let me go to a country that I feel like I could make more of an impact. So that's how it started, and along with events didn't have a lot of women speakers either. Yeah, that's a big problem, especially (laughs) in the financial industry. Exactly, exactly. It's a man's work. Exactly. So, you know, I said, you know, there's a lot of us that are doing amazing things. Um, Let me pull from the community for the women that know and then also from external for additional information that may not be readily available to us. You know, we could bring in subject matter experts and educate young women and girls. Nice. Congratulations. It's (laughs) it's an amazing mission. And uh, what are the obstacles you find uh, when you you decided to start this project? I think the biggest obstacles is always 
number one based on the country. Mm -hmm. So we've been to uh, Ghana, Nigeria, Mozambique, Uganda, um, and also Kenya. Um, some countries are a little bit easier than others. Um, in Kampala, we work with uh, the university and the minister. So it made our life 50 times easier. Yeah, <laughs> and then, right. And then other countries. I mean, I'm from Nigeria, but Nigeria was a bit of a challenge, Seriously, you know, for us. Yeah. 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 So and we try to keep the events free. So and that's a biggest challenge is like because you keep the events free, you're now having to deal with corporate sponsors and, you know, also, you know, uh, fundraising efforts. Yeah. So those type of efforts come into play. But generally, when they know that we're hosting events, it usually works out. But the stress to get there and yes. ensure you have <laughs> exactly to have everything ready, that's where all those factors come in. And you're like, okay. And then when you get to closer to the event, we have everything set, we're ready to go. <laughs> nice. So, of course, you focus a lot on Africa. Yeah. Uh, but what I can see, and, and we were discussing a little bit earlier, um, you know, it's in Europe, it's not that different, the story. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see a lot of women having difficulties mm -hmm. in entering the tech world. And what I see especially is that young women, like girls at the, at the high school, for example, they don't even think right. they could uh, pursue that, that, that career, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious to understand your, to, to know your opinion, because uh, for me, it's like, I don't know if it's a cultural uh, mm -hmm. problem, yeah. it's a, a family problem. What's right. that for you? Well, I find that culture is the key. Um, what it is for the most of the countries where we're talking to women, you know, we say, hey, what are your barriers? Because we already understand that in Nigerian culture, um, a lot of the times they want you to get married, go have a baby yeah. and take a decent job that doesn't consume your time if you're going to work at all. Right. So you have that cultural thought process that happens naturally. So then the next thing is you now have to get through the barriers of what they perceive women in tech to be doing. You know, they think we're going to take away all of our time <laughs> yeah, and, and run off and work from now to, you know, yeah, whatever exactly. time. So you have to break through those cultural differences. The other thing is a lot of women aren't necessarily meeting other women that are very successful in their so careers. So they don't have examples. Exactly. And sometimes those examples are so far off. You yeah. know, like we have many women that were leading a Facebook organization, but those women are untouchable. Yeah. So they see it as like a faraway, you know, fantasy and not a reality. So when you're dealing with women in tech, it's better that it's always initiated from the communities that you're in. You could be in a community from, you know, whether you're in France or, you know, whether you're in Italy, it does not matter the country. So long as a community starts the initial efforts, then it'll always guarantee to have a stronger success. Yeah. And then also people within a community are approachable. You are now in my community, so I can definitely approach you. But if I come into your community, I leave, you know, and I take most of my information with me. So the good thing is, and even though there are many organizations that have women in tech, generally they'll try to incorporate all women so that they can see there are many of us, yeah. but I'm your local representative so I can assist you at any point. Do you think that also um, men should be involved in this discussion? Because what I see is that, okay, we are always gathering between uh, each other, but at the end, it's also the man perception that should 
change, right. uh, honestly. Right. Yeah. right. You know, it's so funny. Whenever we would go to market for African women in tech, I'd get men saying, why are you just marketing yeah. for, for women? <laughs> so, I don't understand. You're being biased, you know? <laughs> I said, sir, you're welcome to attend, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, and it's funny because 10% of our audience is men. And yeah. then when they get there, they're like, wow, we learned so much. Um, I do think men should not be excluded. Uh, we have male teachers that come and educate the women. So um, what it is, I feel that when you have conferences that aren't necessarily focusing in on women and women issues and women challenges, then it takes away from your ability to deal with some of the issues that you incur. I find that we have so much more similarities when we're able to talk about an experience of someone talking down to us or, or someone, you know, challenging some of the things that we may do. You know, it's not all men, you know, some people just weren't raised in having to deal with a female boss or yeah, whatever the case may be. There's many factors, but it isn't a case where you're bashing men because that's unrealistic. It, it's not going to happen. Most of your work environment will always be at least 60 to 70 percent men. So the reality is um, you're learning to bypass those challenges and focus on the education and focus on your strengths because that's what makes you successful. It won't necessarily be the people that are in front of you. It's going to be you against you at the end of the day. So if you can learn from women that have managed to get past themselves yep. and, and incorporate what they've learned and help other people, that's where the impact is. Yeah, well, when it's like, <laughs> whoa, it's like a great, uh, great way to put it, uh, honestly. Right. Um, would you like to share with us maybe some of the projects you are working on right now and uh, if you have something going on in the next uh, months? Yeah, we actually have a program uh, that we're trying to complete in Ghana in December. Okay. Um, this year for 2022 into 2023, our focus is on blockchain education. So it's not the whole conference, um, but it is enough about the initial concept of it. What we're finding is a lot of people, are, of course, are losing money yeah. because they don't understand. They don't understand the investment. They don't understand what wallets are, or they may not know how NFTs work. So we said our goal is to try to do NFT hackathons, um, do DeFi, uh, decentralized finance type of education, yeah. and as well as um, let them understand Bitcoin, ETH, and you know how to move money and navigate your money. Yeah. Because sometimes in a countries that we're in, their current fiat currency is not as strong yeah, as, as their cryptocurrency. So um, what we make sure is that even though you're investing, understand why you're investing. You know, yeah. what are you creating? Yeah, that it's a, it's a specific sector that uh, in general, not only in, in the countries you are mentioning, uh, it mm -hmm. has a little bit there is a lack of education in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, my father used to say, you have to invest in what you know, which exactly. is maybe exactly. too much of a slogan, but, <laughs> exactly. but still, I, I yeah, see yeah. a lot of people doing things without knowing uh, whatever they're doing, just following the buzzwords, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's usually how it works. Exactly, exactly. So it's 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 very good what you're, what you're trying to do. Uh, so we are here at the Web Summit, and uh, I also want to know what do you... We know that we are both uh, tired because of oh walking God. around the whole venue. It's, it's quite exhausting. Right, right. But except for that, it's full of great content. Oh and I know gosh. you are emceeing uh, uh, a lot of uh, conversations. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what's your feeling around the, the event? Oh, my God. There are so many amazing um, speakers and so much great information. Um, I've listened to, you know, the Minister of Portugal, yeah. um, Minister of France. And then also um, it was great to have, like, the U.S. ambassador 
ambassador uh, to Lisbon speak as well, you know, talking about uh, startup programs as well as women in tech. And to your point, I actually feel like even if you exercise, you could never exercise enough for all the walking that you do at Web Summit. But, but it has so much information that it's definitely like if there's one event that I would say do, this is that one event, especially if you, if you love technology or you want to learn about technology, this event incorporates so much things that you'd have an opportunity to get all that information in just two or three days. Yeah, and everybody's here. So <laughs> exactly. Talking about almost everything uh, exactly. in tech. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. So, Annie, before uh, let you go to your walking around <laughs> <Exactly>. again. <laughs> My exercise. Exactly. I have one last question. So, sure. uh, would you like to give some advices to young women who want to enter the tech career? Right. I tell all women, um, number one, start to learn. Because even if you aren't certain what you want to do, start to go to those meetups that are talking tech so that you could see what aspect of tech you want to be in. And then from that, go to the areas that interest you or even slightly curious. Um, go to those areas and see if it's something that you really want to be in. And then lastly, um, talk to your community. You never know who your mom may know that works at certain places that could introduce you to someone and then see if they'd be a mentor to you to guide you along the way. So those are your easy um, reach type co of conversations. And lastly, I definitely say for people that are interested, come to events such as Web Summit. And then this way you get an opportunity to just go from different places and talk to different people and see what actually might be something that you'd love to be in. Um, because at the end of the day, we all have to work. So why not choose <laughs> something, something that, that you like? Exactly. <laughs> choose something you like. And then this way you do better because you actually want to do that. Nice. Annie, thanks a lot. It was Thank an you. amazing conversation. Thank you. And thanks, everybody. And see you after the break. Let's talk about the future of payments. Your Breaking Payments exclusive series is here, and we are ready to showcase how fintech has deconstructed the payments industry and is rebuilding it seamlessly as an embedded experience for the client. Stay tuned for new episodes every month on Breaking Banks Europe. Hey guys, welcome back. We're live from Web Summit. Still Matteo Rizzi here. It's super puzzling. And finally, we found a quiet place, uh, you know, for this second half of the episode. It's a special. And here with uh, Zach from Hippo. Zach, welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Uh, thanks so much, Matteo. <laughs> so, uh, please do the two minutes classic intro of Pay Hippo as well with the, like sparkled by personal story how did you end up in lagos from new york yeah absolutely so i'm zach co-founder ceo of pay hippo we're building small business banking for africa we started in nigeria with a credit product uh, we've done over 25,000 loans in nigeria with a monthly collections rate of 97 percent okay and so short-term rocks four weeks it's working capital okay and a business can apply for funding and get it in three hours so with this three-hour loan we've uh we've been successful not just because of the tech we've built but you have a market with 40 million small businesses most of them are credit worthy but you don't know which ones are so we figure that out, not just with our technology at the first loan, but also by credit scoring and Which type of SMEs are you guys uh, backing? I mean, it's like, a, 
is what uh, like the World Bank defines as secure loans because they are like uh, uh, is more like factoring and any voice back loans or just loans like free loans. Well, no, it's unsecured working capital. Okay. What you'll find in Nigeria is that you know when you were even there several times, right? So you you may have started to see that the economy is built on small businesses. So you, a lot of our businesses are trading goods. They have retail outlets. They uh, do agency banking as well. They have these short-term cash flow needs, these uh, liquidity crunches. And so, when they need capital, ideally they would go to you know their bank to get funding. Um, but that process takes twenty and twenty-eight percent monthly or something. <laughs> some well, some you know some loan sharks will do you know crazy things monthly like this, but. What we found is that the biggest pain point for small businesses is like you need money to run your business because maybe you have to pay a supplier or you have to pay salaries, but you're not getting inflows for another, let's say, week. So what do you do? Right? So we close that gap of working capital with our three-hour business loan. That's super cool. Okay. So, and which data points do you collect to be able to like do the credit assessment? So there's two factors. Uh, I'd say three factors of how to do these assessments. First is you have to know you're lending to the right person and you prevent fraud. Right. Uh, the second one is you have to know look, can this person reasonably pay back this money? That's capacity to pay. And then the third one, which you cannot get from uh, data, is willingness to pay. Yes. Right. So we use various data points as KYC for fraud prevention. Then we're comfortable giving money based on your bank transactions. And then that third level, uh, that credit scoring, that one is purely, look, you set up an algorithm that allows people to uh, prove their credit worthiness. And with their PayHippo score, they start to access more funding over time. Not every business, though. You know, some businesses, you're seeing they can't handle the payment cycles, so you lower their amount of funds available, and you do that through credit scoring. But are you saying that just, you know, someone to get a loan from PayHippo needs to be banked, or like a, or a, or a mobile wallet is enough? There are four tiers of uh, types of businesses in Nigeria. At the very top, you'll have a blue chip company like Coca-Cola. Yeah. So we're not funding Coca-Cola. Yeah. We're not banking Coca-Cola. Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> then there's the second tier down, which is a large business. They're not blue chip, but they're large. And banks will still work with them. It's yeah. okay. At least they have the data, right? Yeah. No. They, they like maybe they'll be doing proper financials, have audits, uh, but like they're still not Coca-Cola level. But then the bottom half of these tiers is. The next one out is our customer segment, where they're using bank accounts, but they lack some key things that you need to be able to access funding, which is either the size or you know they're not so sophisticated with you know, how do I make sure we have audited financials and all this to get funding from a bank? I don't have the collateral. They're all banked, but they're underbanked. The final bottom base is the unbanked. They're not using bank accounts. Like, those we found those are much harder to reach and there's less data and so we think that as that bottom base moves into our customer segment our customer segment keeps growing so there's plenty of businesses there we focus there because you know when you're sharing a business you always have that key segment or like you can reach them they want your product and you can do it well then you ignore everyone else on the beginning 
So actually, three percent of uh, of, uh, of default is a pretty good. Uh, it is a pretty good achievement, right? In terms of absolutely. Uh, and, We're proud and of our team. Yeah. What, what's the what's the average size of loan? About sixteen hundred dollars. Okay, super interesting. Because it's 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 interesting as uh, you see in uh, other parts of Africa, and I'm thinking of a company like Rupia, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, in uh, I think it's in Zambia, and uh, that actually starts with the uh, in the like a secured loan uh, to like a little grocery uh, grocery shopping stores. You know, and because it's working capital mm -hmm. for them, there is a very short short span to reimburse the money yeah. and because indeed as you say it's very often a cash flow matter rather than uh, if they are all willing to reimburse because it's their lifeblood you know it's super interesting you guys uh, build this dynamic with such a critical mass in relatively little time yeah well the thing with secure so we do unsecured working capital the thing with security is it slows down the process so because you need to verify security, you need there's a whole extra process for that. Unsecured credit, being unsecured, you need to use smaller amounts of capital. You need to use shorter terms. That is the definition of working capital. Yeah. So fortunately for us, we're in a market where businesses need lots of working capital. We can put out a low-risk product that satisfies a lot of demand. Yeah, got it. And uh, a little bit about, more about your personal story. And uh, you, you teamed up with the Nigerian co-founders, right? That's right. How did you guys meet? You know, what happened? Yeah, so my co my co-founders Chioma and Uche and I, we started the business a little over three years ago. And I knew them both before starting the business. We had separately all worked in fintech and in lending and in Nigeria, right? And I was at a fintech lender that was trying to do loans in 24 hours, okay. but ultimately didn't have the technology to do that. It would ultimately take weeks to disperse loans or even give offers. And so they were the, you know, they were seen as the best in the market at the time. And there was a lot of, a lot of attention of like, hey, how, how can competitors learn what they're doing? Right. Uh, and so I would always have competitors try and talk to me and say, hey, teach us what Lydia is doing, teach us what they're doing. And I realized, look, like across the board, people are struggling to figure out how to do this. And so how do we create a company that is based on having a technical co-founder, like my co-founder Uche, so we can actually build technology from the beginning and truly over time automate this process. And after three years, we've done that. And that's why after having credit, now we're launching other products for our businesses. Uh, you guys made an acquisition or... or, uh, or uh... Yeah, the breaking news from yesterday. We posted uh, yesterday. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. We, uh, we acquired a microfinance bank. Okay, Nigeria. that was for regulation uh, purposes, I guess. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Because when we started with lending, we had lending licensing so that's great but then that was just our first you product. need an e-money license or what so it's a microfinance bank license mm -hmm. um, 
because we knew that our vision was to provide seamless financial services, we started with a three-hour, reliable, seamless loan. We proved that would work. So then we said, okay, now we're ready to go add other financial services. So we'll get to things like sending and receiving money. We'll get to things like holding deposits and savings and, and then eventually other financial services. How far are you guys from uh, like uh, be at the same level of the CUDA of, of the Nigerian space, you know, or like a, a fully licensed digital bank? It's the same license. Okay. Yeah. It's the microfinance bank license. Okay. I didn't know that. I thought that they had the, like on the top of the microfinance license, you actually have the, the full uh, banking license, but it's not the case. So, yeah, they don't have a commercial bank license. It's typical for a fintech to have a microfinance bank license license for this, this kind of service. Uh, yeah, commercial bank license, the capital requirements for that are uh, yeah, exactly. a little, let's say a little different yeah. than one for a microfinance bank. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, I, I think it's actually it's smart because uh, you know, it, it is a bottom-up and a top-down approach, right? In your, case, in your case, it's more a bottom-up where you start with a service and then you build almost a bank on the top of it, right? Yeah. Rather than start getting uh, investing money to get the user and then eventually figure out how to monetize them. I think like I think that's exactly right. I think it reflects our strategy. So we went from lending license to this microfinance bank now and three-year process of getting to the point where that made sense. Um, and with the microfinance bank as well, we still need to get the central bank approval. So you know the acquisition is done, but then you also need the approval for the regulatory approval. But the when we started, we actually the first thing we did was we didn't write any code, we didn't do any, we just took our own money, like 50,000 naira, and we lent it to a business. Okay. Okay. And then we did it manually, we recorded it. I'm sure you use Airtable. Yeah, yeah. of course. So we, our, our, uh, all of our technology is Airtable for the first couple months so we could figure out the structures and we could see where things were breaking down and we needed to automate. And so January 2020, we just started building the actual platform. And again, like we, you just keep doing that, automating processes, and then thinking about credit, credit risk policy as you go. The cool part about the time we started the business was it was January 2020, we started really writing code and shortly after, I'm sure you remember there, there was a little bit of a, a little bit of stress. Yes, in exactly. Exactly. So it was, it was such a great time for us to start because other folks who were trying to do credit in the market were pulling back and reactionary, or as we could head into that and use all of this because we grew throughout COVID, we kept growing, and our collections rate stayed strong. But we used all of that experience to really create what we like to call like I live, I'm knock on wood. Knock on wood is a catastrophe-proof like credit policy, right? yeah. where you can really respond to global crisis well. 
And we're seeing that's really important right now because there's turbulence in Nigeria, related or unrelated to global uh, trends. And we don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. And so we think like we're in the best position to be that credit-led company. So I am not sure whether or not we can uh, we can say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And eventually, remember guys, we're going to cut short uh, the show here if we cannot announce it. Okay? <laughs> Slow pause. Right, but uh, Zach, I think I'm. We are going to meet uh, next year in uh, the inclusive impact summit in Kigali that FTS Group is organizing together with Elevandi and Rwanda Finance. So I'm using this interview to announce officially that uh, we are going to be producing the content and the overall structure of the event. And here you get your first. Nigerian CEO confirmed speaker for our part of our conference. You're not allowed to call me Nigerians. Only Nigerians can call me Nigerian. You oh. said because you're saying Nigerian company, but you forgot the word company. So the, the beauty about being in Nigeria is it's so, such a vibrant culture, and I really embrace it. And so my Nigerian, my Nigerian business partners or colleagues said, Zach, you're Nigerian. I'm like, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. But this is going to be a great one in Kigali. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So guys. This is Zach. You're going to see him again in Kigali, and so you will FTS group. Exactly, exactly. It's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with FinTech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.